0: When death was arrested, my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a leave My mourning grew quiet, my feet rose to death Death was arrested.
1: risen today. Hallelujah. Amen. How great to celebrate together. You may have a seat for a moment. I'm uh, thinking back a year ago as we uh, celebrated on this Sunday. There were very few of us here. It was the team on the stage, the camera folks, the tech people and me. And uh, how great it is a year later to be able to gather together. We only had one service (laughs) last year, able to do two this year. To celebrate the risen Jesus. If you are a guest with us today, uh, we invite you to connect with us. Uh, On the screen is a, uh, a phone number that you can text to. Uh, and uh, let us know you're here or you can use that email address uh, gmail address at cypress bible and uh, let us know you're here or ask some questions i think we're also live streaming this service as well as we did the first one so for those who are uh, watching us uh, live online uh, please feel free to use that number text to us or the email as well and uh, just communicate uh, that you've worshiped with us today uh, well, also this morning we are going to celebrate the Lord's table, and I trust that on the way in you saw uh, the, the little cup uh, that uh, contains the juice and the, the bread, and if you neglected or weren't able to pick one of those up on the way in, uh, and you want to celebrate communion with us later in the service, then please feel free to slip out and take uh, one of those at uh, any of the entrances also at those entrances were some uh, Kids Life worship packets, and, uh, as, as well as some activity bags for children, and if you missed one of those, feel free to, to go out and, and pick one of those up. Uh, regarding Children's Ministry, Pastor Evan has a message to share with us, I invite him to come forward now.
2: Thanks, John. Yes, it's so great for us to get to together and, and worship together, uh, and uh, I've got a few surprises today, but uh, I do have a question for y'all. Who here likes to collect different things, whether it's toys or games or all sorts of different objects, maybe cars, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, sadly, I can't collect all the kids up here today, but uh, hopefully we'll have some kids, uh, whether you're a kid at heart or you're a um, we hope that you guys are enjoying this worship service together today. Um, but I have a collection of various things. If you've ever been to my house or my office, um, I've got all sorts of different random things. And so in my uh, office, there's knickknacks, uh, and there's little toys and all sorts of things on my shelves, my bookshelves, and I had a few I wanted to share with you all today. So one of the first ones I have was uh, my Jar Jar Binks uh, squirt toy. I think I got this at a, a flea market. I think it was originally from Taco Bell. I don't know. Um, and so... So, if you know Jar Jar Binks, um, obviously that's from the best Star Wars movie ever, of course. Um, Anyway, uh, moving on, (laughs) we've also got uh, my uh, solar-powered flamingo, dancing flamingo. It waves its arms and dances, as you must have in your office, of course. Um, And then, after that, I've got my square globe, because we know that the the Earth is neither round nor flat, it is square, um, apparently. And uh, and then of course, I might date myself here, but when I was a kid, there were Taco Bell commercials with the Taco Bell dog. And if you know his phrase, you can say it with me. He would go around saying, yo quiero Taco Bell. And uh, I think when you squeeze his belly, he should still say that, or his battery might have died by now. Um, but uh, even as you might see the stuffing popping out of his stomach there, we know that things that we um, sometimes break. Uh, Raise your hand if you've had something break, or raise multiple hands if you had multiple things break. Maybe toys or devices or your car or your pipes or (laughs) all sorts of things we know break. Um, And uh, unfortunately, uh, some things uh, that break bring out these different feelings in us. So I want you to use your acting skills uh, today and show the emotions that we might feel when something breaks. So you might have a feeling of upset, so let's do an upset face or you might be sad, you might be nostalgic as you remember what you used to have. Um, we have lots of different emotions when things break. Um, and sometimes when things break, uh, we know that they're they're still okay. So uh, I've got my little uh, toy here. This is actually one of my, my dog buddy's favorite toys. It's a, a pink bear. Um, and um, he, uh, this is a gift from Miss Avalyn, and he loves this pink bear. Um, and I gave it to him, and uh, originally it was stuffed with lots of stuffing. And as you might see in the picture on the slide, um, that lasted for maybe a minute. Um, But here's the thing. It is broken, but Buddy still loves this bear. And he's going to be very happy when I take it back home today. (laughs) Uh, And so sometimes things are broken, and and that's okay. Other times when things are broken, uh, we need to get rid of them. Uh, I've had this little water oil timer thing uh, since I was a fifth grader living in Norway. I bought it at a museum there. It's got a little frog on the the top of it and originally it was filled with water and oil so that when you flipped it upside down the oil went up and the water went down but now it's uh, just half empty and and also leaking (laughs) and so I have to make sure it doesn't leak up here too much Um, and so just the other day I had to throw this in the trash because I realized that it was time to say goodbye and then I pulled it out for the message today. And so we know that sometimes things break and we have to say goodbye to them. And sometimes one of the best things is when things break and they can be fixed. Uh, Who here loves the Toy Story movies? Uh, One of my favorite Toy Story movies is Toy Story 2. And uh, there's a scene in it uh, where Woody is fixed. Earlier earlier on, he has a a time where his uh, arm gets ripped, and he feels like he's no good, that he's going to be tossed aside, he's trash. he's no longer going to be beloved at all. Um, And we have a scene with an expert mender, a fixer-upper, and he comes along, Woody, and uh, it might be a little scary, he's got like a needle to to fix him up, and Woody might be a, a a little frightened, but we know that the expert mender wants to fix him, wants to fix his brokenness and to make him better. Not just what he was, but make him even better than what he once was. And so he sews his arm back together. Uh, He goes and he cleans him up. Uh, He makes him new. He gives him a new life, a new start. Um, And we know that when things that are broken can be redeemed, can be fixed, can be healed. Uh, That's a cause for celebration. So maybe if you've had something break and you've had that fixed again, you went through other emotions. So some of the emotions you might have had were hope, that, oh, maybe this can be fixed. Uh, Go ahead and show me your hope faces. And maybe some excitement. Oh, my goodness, it's going to happen. And then some celebration and joy. Uh, And so we go through all sorts of emotions when something that is broken is fixed. Um, And I think that there's some... Something at the core of who we are that recognized that broken is wrong. Um, That that things weren't made to be broken, that things were made to to be perfect. And God made this world to be perfect, but we know because of sin, this world is broken. Uh, And God still loved us in our brokenness. He loved us so much, though, that he wouldn't leave us in our brokenness. Uh, He wouldn't leave us alone. He loved us just as we are, but he didn't leave us there. And uh, we know that Jesus came, and he came to our world, and he was born fully human, fully God, and he lived amongst brokenness. And he saw people that were broken, and he heard and, and spoke to people that were broken, and he healed them, and he encouraged them, and he pointed them to God. But more than that, he experienced brokenness himself. Just as we all feel brokenness when we hurt, when we go through pain, when our bodies age, um, God experienced that brokenness in Jesus to the point where he let his body be broken. As he said at the Last Supper, this is my body broken for you. And he died on the cross to take that brokenness upon him, to take our sin, to take the punishment, to take death upon him so that he could bear our burden. And he died. But we know that he did not stay dead that three days later after he was buried he rose up from the dead can i get a hallelujah and because of that he defeated the power of death the power of sin the power of brokenness because we had a broken relationship with god but because of what he did on the cross we could have a new relationship we could be restored we could have new life he promises new life to anyone That believes in him, that trusts in him, that says, Lord, I am broken. I need to be healed. Uh, Come, forgive my sin. I believe that you died upon the cross to take away my sin and to bring me new life. And we know that that new life isn't a life that we keep to ourselves, but it's something that we must share with the whole world. Uh, We have a picture up here that is something that we want everyone here at our church to know, the three circles. Uh, And this is the truth that we have this good news, but we don't want to just hold it to ourselves. We want to share it with others. And the the truth is that our world was made perfect, that God loved us and created us to have a relationship with him. But because of our sin, the world became broken. We became broken. We tried to find solutions and other things that would fill us up, but we knew that nothing could do that except for Jesus. And Jesus came And died and rose again. And so that if we place faith in him, he can restore us. He can give us new life. You don't have to have those feelings of brokenness, of pain. That you can give those to him and he can redeem you. And it doesn't stop there. He wants us to go out into the world and share this good news with everyone. So that others might know of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so today, as you might be experiencing brokenness. As you might be feeling pain. I just ask you to take that to Jesus. Um, Today, kids, as you're listening to the sermon or the songs, I encourage you to do something. Listen for the word broken or brokenness, and maybe mark that down, how many times you hear that. And then mark down how many times you hear the name of Jesus, because we know that through the name of Jesus, we can overcome, that we can have new life, and we can celebrate because Jesus is alive. So would you all pray with me today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. You know our brokenness. You know our needs, and you love us just as we are but you also love us so much you can't let us stay here. You call us into new life. You call us to follow you and go out to the world to share this good news with everyone. Thank you, God, for letting your body be broken. Thank you for giving yourself for us. I pray for everyone in this room today and uh, anyone who's worshiping at home. I pray that, that we don't let this day go by without the chance to celebrate you and to thank you for Jesus. And let this be a, a step for anyone that needs to take that step to move towards faith in you or move from that faith into living a life of discipleship, following you. We thank you for being the fixer of all that is broken. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So As we continue
3: with our service this morning, uh, we're going to take some time during this next song to reflect on the events Of that Easter weekend through scripture and through song Um, now I I pulled a few verses from Mark and from Matthew um, but we know that all the books in the world and all the songs that we could sing could not uh, contain and describe everything of the majesty of that weekend Uh, but we can reflect and meditate and hear these things now and so I invite you to hear these words and to sing this song with us as we sing were you there Would you stand with us? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yeah.
2: The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God.
3: Were you there when they lay? you there On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid,
0: for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Amen.
3: That would have been and how wonderful it would have been to be there let's continue in our service and let's move from the what of Easter to the why why did it have to happen he became sin who knew no sin that is Jesus the perfect one took sin on himself that we might become his righteousness that we sinners me and you might be covered in his righteousness and his glory he humbled himself and he carried a cross a sinner's cross this is love so amazing that we sing of and we sing Jesus Messiah name above all names blessed Redeemer Emmanuel would you remain standing and sing this song with us
1: Evan talked about our broken world, and uh, sure that you can easily see some broken things in uh, your world. I've got some broken stuff in my house right now that needs to be fixed. When I think of broken things, I, I don't. I'm thinking back to uh, something that happened to us about 15 years ago when uh, Amy and I ordered a utility cart for our kitchen, to put our microwave on, and uh, the top for this microwave cart was granite, and it arrived separately than the cart. And when it showed up, the box looked like it had been dragged behind the delivery truck the whole way there. So when we opened it up, not surprisingly, it was broken. Look at the horrible disappointment on my wife's face. It's sad. Cracked right in half. So I called the company, they shipped the replacement, and... Uh, That night, when we arrived home, we saw it had been delivered. It was leaning against the front door in a box that was shaped like a U, and that was not good. We opened it up to find that this was indeed in a couple of more pieces. My wife is an incredible actress. This has been redone for camera here, but it was not good. Now, flex tape can't fix that, so what do you do? Well, I'm going to tell you how this uh, turned out in a few moments, but uh, it's not just things that are broken, is it? We experience broken things, but uh, th- this idea that we, as people, are cracked, shattered, fractured, broken, and there can be all kinds of reasons that you might feel that brokenness in your life. Maybe you can identify with one of these folks that I know. Linda. Linda whose husband died suddenly, leaving her with three aged children and overwhelming grief in her life. Or Sam, whose wife left him for another man, and, and every time he called to talk to the kids, he, he heard that man's voice in the background. How painful that was. Or Tracy, who was abused, who was victimized by a relative, and her family didn't believe her, and, and Tracy feels worthless, guilty, angry. Or David, who got into the school that he wanted and four years later left with a degree and about $40,000 of debt. And he today works two part-time jobs and yet every month only goes deeper into debt and last month his truck was stolen. Or Diane, who can't turn off the replays in her mind. Words that she said or things that she did haunt her thoughts, conversations, events from years ago still cause her anxiety, shame, regret. Or Jason, who can't get past his attraction to porn, and it's like this never-ending search for something more or something different, and it's never satisfied. And Jason feels unclean. He feels ashamed. He feels empty. And that's why the resurrection of Jesus is so crucial. Today we celebrate and we remember that Jesus is good news for broken people. That that news is announced throughout Scripture, but I'm thinking of its announcement centuries before Jesus was born. Isaiah the prophet brought a message to God's people Israel, Judah, around the year 700 B.C., 700 years before the birth of Christ. And life was not good for God's people. A foreign army had burned many buildings, had stolen their goods. And Isaiah told them as a prophet, he said, this is only going to get worse for you people. You've become so self-absorbed. Your worship isn't genuine. You're checking off religious boxes. You're heartless. You're phony in your religion, your worship of God. And Isaiah's message to Israel was, turn from your sin and return to God. And the first 13,000 words in Isaiah's prophecy which I reread this morning, pretty depressing for the most part. They're all about judgment for the most part. They're all warning of what God will do to judge his people whose hearts are far from him. And that judgment would come in the form of an invading army. The enemy destroyed Israel's cities. Uh, the, and including the capital city of Jerusalem. Uh, the enemy tore down their homes and and, uh, killed hundreds of the population and most of the rest carried off as captives. The king, Zedekiah, had his sons put to death right in front of him. The enemy killed his sons right in front of him and then the enemy blinded the king, put him in chains and held him as a prisoner for the rest of his life. So, as prisoners in a foreign land, can you imagine the despair of God's people? But, but not everything in Isaiah's prophecy was judgment. There's also good news. God promised a better future for his people. A, a time when a, a spirit-filled deliverer would arrive and bring relief. And imagine uh, hearing these words if you were one of these captives. You've been beaten down by enemies. Your home has been demolished. You're a prisoner in a far-off land. But you open the scroll of Isaiah's prophecy and you read this. Isaiah 61, 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Those are great words. So encouraging, so inspiring. But the question is, will they ever come true? Enemy after enemy came against Israel, Judah. Decades went by, decade upon decade after Isaiah's prophecy, and God's people still suffered. World powers even changed from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Medo-Persians to the Romans, but God's people were still oppressed, still captive. So can you imagine being in a Jewish worship service when the scroll of Isaiah was opened and and those words were read? And people would say, where is this deliverer? Has God forgotten us? Doesn't he see our pain, our loss, our, our desperation? Where's this preacher of the good news to the poor? And by the way, that word poor, not only about financial poverty, but it refers to those who are disadvantaged, those who are powerless to help themselves. Good news to those people. And the word for broken-hearted here, the Hebrew word is shebar, and it means to be shattered, to be wrecked, to be crushed. It's referring to people who are distressed, who are troubled for any reason. It's suffering over your own sin or it's suffering caused by the sins of others. So the broken-hearted are those wrecked by grief and longing for relief and spiritual freedom. And people would read this prophecy, where is this relief? Where's the good news? What about your situation? Can I get you to think about that for a moment? And maybe your heart is broken. And you ask, where's the one who can mend my brokenness? Where's the one who can set me free? Where's the one who will bring light to my darkness, comfort for my grief? I've been wronged. Where's my avenger? I'm empty. Where's true fulfillment? I've been wounded. Where's my healer? And if you have ever felt that way, imagine how generations of Israelites felt. But one day, seven centuries after Isaiah wrote these words, something happened at a synagogue in the town of Nazareth. A young rabbi named Jesus was there for worship. And when it came time to read the scripture, Jesus stood up and the attendant handed him the scroll of Isaiah. That scroll would look something like this. It's 10 inches high, approximately, and 24 feet long. And Jesus unrolled that scroll and found these words and read them. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. And when Jesus was done, he rolled up the scroll and handed it back And everyone stared at him. Their eyes were glued to him. No one moved. Their attention was fixed on Jesus. They they breathlessly waited to hear what he would say about this prophecy. And what did he say? Luke 4 tells us. Then he said, Today, this scripture has come true before your very eyes. Astounding words. Can you imagine? Everything that you have, as a Jewish person, have been waiting for for centuries, Jesus says, it's arrived with me. Freedom, healing, rescue, good news. Jesus came to do all those things. And over the next three years, he did exactly that. He touched the diseased, the blind, the lame, and healed them. He raised the dead. He forgave sins. He embraced outcasts. His miracles astounded the crowds. His teaching was so incredible. Everyone would say, we've never heard anybody talk like this before. But all of that, that I just told you, happened in one little corner of the Middle East. It was seen by maybe a few thousand people. And it happened in the space of three years. Just that little corner of the world by a few thousand people just over three years. But the whole world is broken. How does that remedy a broken world in that little place at that time? How did Jesus deal with the failures and the fractures, the guilt, the grief, the evil, the the depravity that floods human history to this very day? How did he deal with it? At the cross. All our sin, guilt, shame, failure, and loss was placed on Him, the perfect Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who came into our world to be our Savior. And He was slaughtered like a sacrificial animal. Don't bypass that. His body was torn to pieces. His blood poured out to pay for our brokenness. Jesus became cursed to redeem us from the curse. He absorbed God's judgment to save us from judgment. And he died. And after his death on the cross was verified by Roman soldiers, his lifeless body was taken down from the cross, wrapped in linen, carefully placed in the tomb, the entrance sealed by a massive stone, and a guard of soldiers placed outside the entrance." And three days later, he walked out alive, conquering sin and death. So all who believe do not have to live in fear of death or judgment or darkness anymore. As scripture says, all who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead are saved. That's good news. Jesus is alive. And he came to deliver, redeem, liberate, transform, and make new. Only Jesus can heal our fundamental brokenness as human beings. And there's no pain he cannot soothe. There's no wound he cannot heal. There's no sin he cannot forgive. And the only issue is you have to know you're broken. See, if you admit you're broken, that's when you're ready for the good news. Not before. It's when you know, I'm broken. I need a Savior. See, the good news of Jesus is not for those who are comfortable. It's not for those who feel that they're in control. It's not for those who think they're healthy and without sin. Because they don't think they need a Savior. Jesus came for those who know that they're drowning in sin and guilt and shame and disease and death. And that's when the good news comes alive. So when our third granite countertop arrived, It looked good at first. This time the box was in one piece, it seemed. hadn't dragged it behind the truck. We actually installed it on top of the cart, and and we were happy until we noticed that there was a corner broken off. In fact, we found the, the broken piece in the box, and there it is. Not a great picture, but that's proof. And frankly, we debated about just saying, you know, it's close enough. Because the company was really getting tired of hearing from me. And they were beginning to suspect that we were building a granite walkway one piece at a time. Which we were not. But even though it wasn't as badly broken as the other two countertops, we said, you know, we paid full price for an unbroken car. We should get one. And so we ordered, and they reluctantly sent us a fourth delivery, and it arrived in one piece, and my wife is not acting here. She's very happy. And then when we moved to Texas, we sold this granite cart, and the granite was intact and perfect, and I used all the broken pieces to make a walkway in the backyard. Even though not horribly broken, still broken, some of you might not feel, well, I'm not as broken as that person, my life is not as big a mess as that, but unless and until you admit your brokenness, that you're you're damaged, you're lost, you're flawed, you're dead in sin, there is no salvation. Those who believe they have it all together, who deny their brokenness are far from God, Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. That's who the Lord comes near to. And He resists those who are proud, those who are self-sufficient, those who insist on being their own Savior, those who ignore or deny their fatal flaw. They're nowhere near salvation. And I would say whether you admit it or not, there's no one here who is not broken today. And so the resurrection is so crucial. It's not something that we celebrate once a year like a birthday. It is something we must celebrate every single day. We need to hear and repeat and revel in this every single day. This week I read the best-selling book, A Brief History of Thought. It didn't take me very long because it's a brief history. It's been out for a while. Maybe you've seen it. And it's written by philosopher Luke Ferry, who's an atheist, but very kind to Christians. And he talks about... Well, there's this one thing where he says Christ's resurrection is the good news of literal immortality. That's what he calls the resurrection of Jesus. Good news, that's exactly what it is. And he says it's because of this that that Christianity is is so unique. Christianity brought about this novel idea that all people have dignity. Isn't that something? He, He says because of Christianity, that's where the idea of human dignity of all people comes from, which is true. And then he he says this. He says, the idea that human individual bodies will be resurrected is unique among all major religions. In other words, only Christianity talks about this incredible resurrection of individual human bodies. And this this is what I want to get to. Here's what he says, page 43. He says, without the resurrection, the whole message of Christ collapses. And he's absolutely right. How can an atheist philosopher get right what some Christian preachers get wrong? That the resurrection is essential, and without it, we have nothing. Even an atheist recognizes that Jesus defeating death is the centerpiece of our faith. And this is why we gather today. This is why we celebrate. If Jesus is not raised, then all is lost. Everything falls apart, and there is no hope. But since Jesus lives, as Scripture says, in Him all things hold together, and in Him all will be made alive. And that's why we celebrate. See, only Jesus can heal your brokenness, the fundamental flaw that's true of all of us. Only Jesus can heal that. You know, I love history, all kinds, and certainly as an American, I like American history too. Delve into that. History has the good and the bad, and, and certainly there's bad parts of our history as well. And the transatlantic slave trade was one of the worst in our history. The idea that uh, men and women and children could be sold and treated like property or cattle. is a horrific thing. But, but one thing that I always, I would think about, maybe you've thought about it too. You ever wonder why so many African slaves came to faith in Jesus. Think about it. Because after all, most slave owners actually used the Bible to justify slavery. And most slave owners attended church, and many of them would be considered God-fearing Christians. And Jesus seemed to be the white man's God. So why did so many slaves, not all, but so many slaves embrace Jesus? Dante Stewart, who is an African-American self and a writer, He talks about this phenomenon, and here's why. He says, slaves fell in love with the God of Scripture. They fell in love with Jesus, the suffering Savior. And they saw Christ as one who understood their struggles because he too was oppressed like they were. He too was treated unjustly like they were. And he came to set the prisoner free. And so Dante says, even though they were enslaved, they discovered the resurrection power of Jesus. That's the power that changes everything. Who needs this power? Well, there are two types of people who need resurrection power today, and it's my prayer that you are in one of those two groups this morning. What are those types of people? The first are those ready to receive resurrection power. Ready to receive it. Because it's only when you admit that you're flawed, fractured, crushed, shattered that God will come to your rescue. Only those who know they are broken will He redeem. And maybe you've been trying to make life work on your own. Maybe you've been calling yourself a Christian. Maybe you've been checking off religious boxes and special holidays, but you've not experienced new birth. You've not experienced the transforming power of Jesus. Maybe before you've never admitted, confessed your brokenness, and never received the good news. Of course, like all of us, you've got baggage, you've got garbage from the past, from the present, and you need that unloaded, you need that dealt with. There's an ugliness that you're trying to escape or you're trying to medicate away in some fashion. You feel imprisoned by something or someone, weighed down by hurt and pain, and you long for new life. And on this resurrection morning, Jesus says, today, this scripture has come true. He calls you to new life made possible by His death and burial and resurrection. John 1.12 says, to all who received Him, talking about Jesus, to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So, if you are in that group ready to receive resurrection power, Jesus offers it to you today. There's another type of person that I trust is here today those ready to be reminded of resurrection power. Oh, oh we, we need this reminder. I do. Because it's so easy for those of us who believe, those of us who belong to Jesus, our children of God, to forget, to, to, to let stuff in our lives crowd out the image of of what god has done for us forget the one who's made us whole and when we begin to lose sight of our absolute need of a savior uh, the absolute need of a rescuer a redeemer you know what happens you lose your joy i lose my joy It happens when I get my eyes off of the fact of of Jesus as Savior. And you start to feel exhausted and broken down and empty. And that's because you've slipped back into self-help. You've slipped back into old habits. You've slipped back into human effort. And you need to be reminded, as I need to be reminded, that Jesus rose. See, that happened to Christians throughout history. It happened to early Christians in the city of Corinth. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to them. And in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it's a whole chapter about the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, a glorious, beautiful chapter. But Paul starts out chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians with these words. Listen carefully. Now I want to remind you of the gospel which you've received and on which you stand. By this gospel you are saved. He's talking to people who have received the good news of Jesus. But he has to remind them. All about it. All of us. We need those reminders. Our trust is in Jesus. We must be reminded. All of you belong to Jesus. You need this good news every single day. And on this resurrection morning, remember that in Jesus, this scripture has come true in a world of shattered hopes and crushing failures and fractured relationships and broken lives, you need resurrection power. And I'm here to remind you that today this Scripture has come true. Jesus lives. And that news must never get old to you, to me. That's the power in which we live day after day or we will get crushed by life in a broken world. Reverend Harold Pritchett tells about his eight-year-old friend Philip. Philip had Down syndrome, and Philip's Sunday school class had nine other eight-year-old boys and girls, and Philip, with his differences, wasn't readily accepted by the rest of his Sunday school classmates. He wasn't really part of the group. The Sunday after Easter, Philip's Sunday school teacher brought in ten big plastic eggs, and this was the assignment that gave each child one of those big eggs, and And told them to go outside and find a symbol of new life. And put that symbol that they found into the egg and bring it back to the class. And uh, then they would open them and find these symbols of life one by one. Well, the teacher said it was gloriously wild. If you've ever tried to teach that age group, you can imagine the wildness. They ran all over the church grounds, just excitedly gathering up anything that was symbolic of new life and put those things in that egg and ran back into the classroom and laid all those plastic eggs on the table. And they stood around as the teacher opened them one by one. The first had a flower in it. Certainly an easy sign of new life. The second one had a little butterfly that was glad to get out and still be alive. Another held a rock some of the kids laughed and some of them said, that's crazy. But the boy who found it said, that's mine. And I, and I knew all of you would get flowers and buds and leaves and stuff like that. So I got a rock because I wanted to be different. And for me, that rock is new life. And the teacher opened the next one. There wasn't anything inside. And the other kid said, that's stupid. Somebody didn't do it right. It's mine, Philip said mine and the children said you don't ever do things right Philip you're always doing stuff wrong there's nothing in there I did so do it Philip said I did do it it's empty the tomb is empty and there was silence a very full silence and from that time on things were different Philip suddenly became part of that group of eight-year-old boys and girls they took him in He was set free from the tomb of his differentness. And then that very year, late in July, Philip got an infection. And most any other child could have shaken off that illness. But Philip was too sick, and he died. And at Philip's funeral, nine eight-year-old children marched up to the altar, not with flowers to cover over the stark reality of death, But nine eight-year-olds with their Sunday school teacher marched right up to that altar and placed on it an empty plastic egg. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And that makes everything new. Now we're going to sing in honor of our living Lord and worship Him. And, And what we're going to sing is the call of Christ to sinners, and that's who we all are, whether we admit it or not. We're all sinners, weak and wounded, poor and needy, and the only remedy is Jesus. Following that song, we will take a moment to celebrate another crucial part of our worship this morning, and that is the bread and the cup. Allow God to speak into your heart as we sing, Come ye sinners, poor and needy. Whatever camp you're in, are you ready to receive that Savior? Or are you just ready to be reminded that the Savior lives and you live in his resurrection power? Respond to your Redeemer, and then together we will eat and drink in remembrance of him, the one who conquered sin and death and hell, the one who has good news for broken people. Stand with me as we sing. Remember the Lord's death with the bread and the cup if you would take those elements that first tab open for the bread J- Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him we need to be reminded that we have a living Savior that there is power in that resurrection not in some only historical fact but in present reality forever and ever And so, with this bread, we remember the body of our Lord given for us. And would you hold that aloft, aloft, high, and say after me, uh, your body bore the weight of my sin. Would you say it with me? Your body bore the weight of my sin. Eat in remembrance of Him. And the cup, Jesus said, was the... New covenant of his blood spilled for the forgiveness of sin. So hold this cup high in celebration of a living Savior and say, your blood spilled for me. Say that with me. Your blood spilled for me. Let us drink in remembrance of him.
3: We're going to close this time of the service singing one more song. King of Kings, would you remain standing and sing with us?
1: favorite scriptures is this truth from the book of Romans, that for all of you who believe, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So go now in the power of the risen Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.